it's really scary to not know what's going to happen. And that creates a fear that doesn't have language because we don't know. Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. We are a learning community for people at a career crossroads, ready to rejoin their soul and their role. We have long form conversations about self-awareness, relationships, tapping into your inner genius and building sustainable habits. We are led by our questions. We're curious, we're storytellers. And the more we learn, the better we get. And there are people all around us who have done the work. We think they have a lot to say about how we can discern and activate our own purpose. I'm Shelley Prevost. I'm an educational psychologist and the founder of Big Self. And I'm Chad Prevost. I'm a media specialist. I write, research, and produce content across industries. To learn more about how to join the tribe, go to shellyprevost.com slash bigselfsociety. Let's get started. So, Allison, you and I have known each other for quite some time and have had many um, deep conversations, a lot around the, you know, the mind and body connection. Um, you were so helpful for me as I was coming out of burnout and such a cheerleader for my healing and helping me to think about connecting my body and my mind in ways that I hadn't before. And I'm just so struck by what we are all going through right now, this period of coronavirus. Um, so I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you have seen and experienced in your uh, practice, um, both as an instructor and your own personal practice through yoga and connecting the mind and the body. Um, and especially you have this great image of of the dog chasing the ball. <laughs> yeah. And I would love for you to talk about that and share um, some, some of your insights around that. Okay. Um, well, so I have been teaching yoga now since um, about 2007. And um, yeah. I learned a long time ago that, you know, I had this idea in my head of yoga as being like getting really still and really quiet and really peaceful. And that mm-hmm. wasn't exactly me. Like, I don't, I'm not exactly like the person that's like always quiet. I'm very much of a talker and pretty outgoing. And so soon after I really started practicing, I began to discover that yoga and making that mind, body, breath connection is really just about that. It's about connection to who you actually are in the present moment. So often we just live in our heads and our bodies just kind of wandering around the world doing like what our head's telling it to do, but we're not connecting those two things. And, um, and when we're disconnected like that, you know, our head, it's a great gift, but we can be in a million places at one time. And, um, the practice of yoga, when you connect breathing to your thinking and to your body, even if it's just for 10 seconds, you're fully like incarnate, like you're having an embodied experience of mind breath body, which then in turn connects to your emotions and your nervous system. And I believe your spirit and allows mm-hmm. you to just be fully present in the person that you are all at once. And, um, as far as the, um, the dog metaphor that I use. Yes. Um, so a lot of times, you know, when we think about meditating, especially when we, you know, we're busy, like our day is busy, our bodies are busy and we're moving. And so then it's like, okay, I need to meditate. I need to sit down. I need to shut down. I need to be quiet. I need my body to be still. And it's so hard. Right. And so, and it's often easier to make your body still. Okay. We know how to do that. You just lay down or sit down. 
But often, usually when we do that, the mind, instead of like following the lead of the body, Mm -hmm. thank you for finally shutting down. Now you can listen to me. Now I can tell you all the things that I'm thinking about that have happened, that could happen, that may not happen, but I want you to worry about happening or your to-do list. And it just gets faster and louder. And then because our body is still, it's this, you know, complete imbalance. And then if we're trying to meditate, I put that in quotes, then we start this wrestling with our mind. Like you should be quiet. You should be still. And instead of doing that battle and that wrestling, I like to to harness it, just kind of harness the power of the mind. And because it's so important. I mean, it's how we organize our day and figure out what's going to happen next and deal with anxiety and all of the things through our thought process. So instead of telling it to shut down, we just give it a job. And Mm -hmm. surprising because our mind can be in so many places at once that it also can be completely occupied by one simple thing. And so I liken it to a lab, like I have a black lab mix and you just pull the tennis ball out and you show it to her and she's like, Oh, I'm in. And then you throw it and she goes and gets it and brings it back. Throw it. She goes and gets it and brings it back. Throw it. Go get, and it's like back and forth and back and forth. Whereas five minutes beforehand, she could have been chewing up a stick and rolling around on the ground and playing with the other dogs and to be in a million places at once. But what she really could also benefit from is the like just simple back and forth. It can completely harness her mind and give her a simple task that brings her into that one moment. And that's what meditation and harnessing the mind can do for us too. We we have a black lab mix too, and he loves to fetch the tennis ball, except now he won't do it because we have this electric fence. And if it gets <laughs> like within 10 feet of it in any direction, he just looks at it. Well, I get it. He's now he's scared. <laughs> I get yeah, it. it's a deterrent. That's right. But um, actually, that is an, a really great metaphor yeah. that's helpful because... So um, my brother, Allison, my brother has been telling me that he has meditated really, really consistently for uh, at least the past couple of years, like without almost missing a day because it's so important to him. But he, he says that he focuses on his breath. But so I've been practicing it for a, just a week now. So I'm really just, I'm like, okay, I, we, we're talking a lot about meditation. It comes up all the time in, in mindfulness stuff. And so I've been really like every day I'm waking up, I'm doing a couple of things and I'm meditating um, for, for a few minutes, but I'm finding that, yeah, like my mind starts thinking about things, even as I'm trying to listen to my breath. So today, for instance, I just thought about a concept and that like, just like the idea of listening. Um, and is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So, um, you can use any tools. So yes, it can be a concept. You can literally picture throwing a ball and bringing it back and throwing a ball and just picture a dog doing that. That can be your meditation to harness the mind. It can also be focusing on the breath. So, um, I think a lot of times when people say focus on the breath, that sounds just vague, but Mm -hmm. um, you can say like, okay, how long is your inhale? Just start noticing how many is your breath in? And then you can say, and you can make this as simple or as complicated as you want, depending on how busy your mind is, how much work you need to give it. Um, So like, let's say that your breath is like naturally like one, two, three, four. That's my inhale. Okay. Let's see if I can make my exhale match my inhale. One, two, three, four. 
let's see if we can stay with that for a while. And so then you're just giving your mind that job of like, can I balance my breath? Let's find this balance. And then you may add to that and say, okay, can I pause between my inhale and my exhale for four counts also? And then maybe you add a pause at the end of the exhale before inhaling again for four counts. So mm-hmm. all you're doing is giving your mind simple exercises that connect to your breathing. And that in turn connects you to your body and into the moment that you're in helping to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this so much because I, I'm, I remember when I shared with you a year or so ago, like I was, I knew I needed to quiet my mind and connect to my body, but I just couldn't get there. And I think it was this preconceived notion that it had to be still and quiet. And that's the image, really the, the dog throwing the ball image to a dog did become my, um, my, my quiet. I wouldn't necessarily call it a meditation. Maybe it was actually, I don't know, but it became a, a permission for me, um, to give my brain something to do because it felt like there were fireworks in it. It felt like I could tell myself all day long to quiet the mind and it was literally not going to happen. And I think a lot of people probably are experiencing this right now through this crisis of coronavirus that intellectually, like I know what I'm supposed to do, but getting there is just really, really impossible. And so I think this, um, this tip is, is a powerful one for people to think about what kind of job can you give your mind to work on and kind of inch yourself a little bit more into um, a restful place. I'll call it that. That makes sense. And, um, and I would say a more present place. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, you know, over, over time, we're so good at coming up with concepts of what we think something is and what we should be doing and how we fall short of the thing, you know, whatever we imagine mm-hmm. that it is. Um, and I really think that um, meditation, yoga practice, a practice of becoming present and grounded um, is very much like that. I, I knew my dogs were going to bark. So if y'all just go outside, it's such a beautiful day. I wanted to sit out on the porch. Of course they are, right? Yeah. So, um, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to look like anything that anybody's ever done. It just doesn't, you know, for example, if, if it's really hard, if you have an anxious body in the moment, even like just today, you have a lot of energy, maybe you didn't sleep well and you just feel, you know, that just sort of, I can't sit still in your physical body, then maybe instead of just sitting still and doing something with your mind, you walk and each step is a meditation. You breathe in as you step with your right foot, breathe out as you step with your left foot. Maybe it's stretching. Maybe it's, you know, it can be anything, but the practice is connecting your mind to that present moment. That's Mm -hmm. what grounds you. And then, you know, eventually maybe you do begin um, with a lot of movement and then you begin to find ways to make your body still and to be in the meditation. I mean, it's not necessary, but. Yeah. What would you say to people that want to do something right now? So I can be, I'm hearing a lot of people, um, cause I'm really trying to lean into my kind of the emotional landscape right now. What's going on? How am I feeling? What's, what am I experiencing being present with it? And, and how insufficient that feels, you know, there's a lot of like, what do I do? Do I help? Do I cook? Do I like, haven't been doing much of that. (laughs) Like what, you know, so I think 
I'd be interested in what wisdom you have around that when the impulse is to want to do, how do we kind of walk ourselves back from that a little bit? Uh, and maybe it's what you're offering is that the, the groundedness, the presence, um, the practice, but if there's anything else that kind of strikes you about that. Well, it's interesting because in the sort of yoga mindfulness world, that's what everybody's saying, you know, like mm-hmm. grounded and get, um, and I can't remember what's the word that we used in the, in winter for getting all comfy and snuggly and. I, oh, Hagee? H- uh, Huga. Huga. Yeah. It's, it's, no it's yeah. right. But we're, yeah, it's a weird <laughs> pronunciation. Those Danes. Yeah. Yeah. I it was, it's the weirdest spelling for that. Yeah. It looks like Hagee, but it's it Huga. Um, but I think, you know, that's what everybody's trying to embrace is this like let's be Mm. present and comfy and home and enjoy all of the old things but in that there's a like a little bit of pressure in there too that we should Mm -hmm. be doing these things so um my experience we when Katrina hit in 2005 we lived in New Orleans and um you know left for the weekend thinking that, you know, this hurricane would pass by and we'd go home and we never lived there again. And our whole mm-hmm. life was upside down. And, um, and it's like the, you know, the world gets pulled out from under you at that time. It was, you know, different because you know the rest of the world was functioning pretty normally, but mm-hmm. it, it's like, I don't know what to do with myself feeling. And sometimes you just have to accept that. You know, mm-hmm. all the, the practices that we're talking about are definitely helpful. Finding ways to help, you know, in a way that's comfortable with the, you know, worry about the spread of coronavirus. Like you have to find things to do that feel safe to you and feel safe for those around you. Um, and it's just a combination of, of finding things that allow you to be okay in this like upside down world. I don't think there's a way to make this feel like a grounded time. I think the work is to find things that ground you as much as possible and to just accept the rest. You know, I do, I think we're trying really hard to like, it's really, it's really scary to not know what's going to happen. And that creates a fear that doesn't have language because we don't know, you know, it's almost easier when we have sort of a doomsday prediction or we say, you know, I just saw something today that was like, government plans for 18 months. And so now you, instead of having your mind ahead of where we are for two weeks or four weeks, now we're 18 months ahead of doing Mm -hmm. it. And while that's scary, it's also more concrete. When we sit with like this, like weird space of like, I really don't know what's going to happen. That's almost scarier because it's not tangible. So um, I think in that time, it's, like finding things in the present moment to be grateful for, um, which could be like right now, it's just that the sun is out and it's, you know, transient and it's going to start raining tomorrow. But like right now, I'm really thankful that it's like 70 degrees and I'm on my porch and the sun's out. And that's not, it's not going to over, it's not going to be a stronger thing than all of the scary stuff happening, but it's something. And I think if we allow ourselves to kind of be aware of any little thing, like, my son was sitting in the kitchen with me a little while ago talking about how he used to like when he was in elementary school, he's 18 years old now, but he was talking about how when he was in elementary school, at some point, <coughs> excuse me, somebody said, um, think about, you know, y'all are in fifth grade, like think about like 
what if this is the last conversation you'd ever have with your parents? Would you feel good about it? And first of all, I'm like, who said that to you? But whatever it was, <laughs> let me go talk to them. <laughs> every day he was like, but I, he's like, I knew that I was good because every day I would get out of the car and I would turn to you and I would say, bye mom, I love you. And you would mm. say, thank you. And he was like, and that was good. And so I'm just like, right now, my 18 year old son is telling me that. And I'm like, that makes me grateful. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for that little moment. And so I, I think just sort of honing in, getting out of the big picture and more into the present with details like that um, helps helps handle the unknown and the whole world, you know, just being on a roller coaster right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, I know you are in some significant transitions. Um uh, you are in the middle of moving yeah. and I know you are uh, in the process of becoming or moving more into holistic coaching. Right. And I'm wondering kind of what, what big lessons are you learning about yourself right now? You know, I would say that, um, I'd say that those are two completely different lessons for me. And okay. the reason is that, you know, like I said before, I've moved a lot of times. I mean, after Katrina, we moved like four times in a year and we had moved the Mm. year before that. And, um, and so that sort of trans transient kind of transitional, like literal foundation of moving. I'm okay with, um, that doesn't scare you. It, no, not anymore. And, um, so I feel good about that. I think that at the same time that that's happening, the moving into the holistic coaching, to connect it with my yoga retreats and workshops and everything I do. Um, it's, it's really exciting for me because it's a shift in my, um, like understanding of what I can be and what I can do in this life. And, Mm. um, I've, I've, there's a quote that I found not too long ago, but it says, um, when you move, the universe moves, when you reach the universe reaches, when it stretches or when you stretch, the universe stretches, but every time you must go first. And mm. I think that I've had um, kind of a, a pattern in life of like, what comes next? Once I figure out what comes next, then I'll do the next thing. And um, this with the holistic coaching, um, something that had been on my mind for a long time of meeting people where they are. I've been doing it in my yoga. I've been finding that people have done a lot of work, you know, in therapy and counseling to heal from past things that have happened. And they mm-hmm. have done all this work. They're, you know, in my yoga classes and workshops and they get here, but it's like, what now? Like, how do I set goals? How do I take the person I am now and launch into the next thing? But I always, for me was like, well, how am I qualified to tell anybody that? Like, how do I know? And so I finally realized that I was just really limiting myself on what was available to me, like abundance of what I could do in this world to help people. And um, I was in a life coaching um, training and I, I had, they had this exercise where you had to write down, like it could be anything, but it was like 10 things that you saw like in your future in the next year. Or it could be like 10 things about a specific person that you wanted to bring into your life. Um, And so I realized as I was writing my 10 about like when I'm thinking about my like coaching and yoga and like what I expect in my future, I really would find myself being like, I mean, I don't want to say that. 
Like, well, I mean, what if I put that down and then I don't get exactly that? Or what if that's specific? And then I was like, do you hear yourself? I was like, you are limiting your own dreams. Like, if you don't believe them, then how is the universe going to respond? How is God going to respond? How are you going to put yourself in places where it's even possible? And so um, I have found that every step I've taken, it's like, take the step, the universe takes a step. I stretch, the universe stretches. And I swear, it's something that I'd always heard. I'd always, people always said that, like, trust in your future, trust in abundance. And um, I thought I was doing that, but I wasn't embodying it. I wasn't, I was sort of like, I don't need all that. I mean, I just, I just need just enough to get by. Like, I'm okay. Like, you know, how do you think, let me ask you this, Allison, because I, um, you, you know, you and I both do coaching with women, a lot of women and, um, well, and men too, because I think we all face this kind of those limiting beliefs, but how, how do you, how did you, are you like, what's the inner work that you're having to grapple with? Is it, is it, is it stories from your past, like things that you've believed about yourself that you're really, that life is saying you have to confront? Is it just like an introspective kind of journaling and, and thinking through this process? Is it something that you're consciously trying to overcome or there's been hurdles that you've kind of had to address these limitations in your own mind? Like, because I think people want to become their big self. They want to do more impactful work. They want to move in new directions, but there's so much fear and resistance in that process that that, that first little tiny step is still just really big and hard for people. So talk about that journey, like that one little step that might have felt like a huge leap. Okay. Well, first uh, let me back up and say that, you know, teaching yoga and doing the retreats and um, workshops and everything was always something that came naturally to me in a lot of ways where, and I wasn't under a financial strain to be like financially independent with this work because I was married and we were living mainly off of my husband's income. And so I found that I could just be really free with it, but without expectation because it didn't matter. Like, you know, I could just do what I wanted, but then I Mm -hmm. found that in the places where I, like when I would work in marketing or doing jobs that had expectations where I felt like I was in a box that weren't for me, I was constricting myself. Like I'm not quite good enough to be doing this or, you know, maybe somebody else would be better at this. And then when I went through my divorce and all of a sudden there was this overlap of doing something and getting paid for it to have financial independence, I had to really investigate what was that going to look like, you know? And I found that you know, I, I just, from journaling, from, you know, talking to friends and through therapy and through the joy I would have in teaching, I really just said, you know what, I love this. I love helping people through yoga and getting present. I'm going to give this a shot. And so that was just in my head, the very first thing. But then mm-hmm. the second thing was at that coaching thing, the, what I just described about writing down 10 things that I wanted to happen and finding that that was really hard for me to do, like with my full expression, I just made myself do it. And that was hard. And then the next day when we were back in the coaching group, they said, okay, who wants to read, you know, what they wrote about? And my first reaction was like, not me. I wrote it. That's good enough. 
And then I was like, do you hear what you're doing? You're limiting yourself again. Why won't you put it out there? Like say it clearly. And so Mm. I started reading them and I just cried all the way through because it was scary to express like my deepest dreams and expectations and hopes. But once I did, I felt like I was fully putting out there the possibility and the, um, the expectation of abundance. Mm-hmm. And it's just nothing I'd never done before. And so I think, you know, finding those steps along the way are going to be different for everybody. And maybe it's not one, but I do think that a lot of times we, we over, overwork the like internal stuff to move forward. Like mm-hmm. we think that because our stories that keep, that have created our limited thinking are so big and they are like, it's, you know, it'll be years of something or something really traumatic or dramatic that has happened to you. That's a big story that can explain why you're stuck. And so we tend to think that it's going to take something just as big to get us unstuck talking about it just as much or just as much time or something even bigger than that thing is what we need to get unstuck. But what I've found is that the two co- the combination of having an embodied experience, connecting mind, breath, and body to this moment, which isn't the past moment, which isn't what's happened to me, which isn't what created the limiting belief, but is me right now as I am, combined with the idea or the writing down or the saying out loud of what you truly want. To me, that's the crossroads that allows you to begin to move forward. Mm, I love that. Wow. That's, that's, that's good stuff there. It's just, Mm. uh, yeah, not letting limiting beliefs and we, yeah, I, I agree. I think we can overthink, Oh, well, we have to go through this, this big process, but sometimes it's just take some, some intention. Yeah. Right? And I, I love the idea of, of breathing into it, like voicing it, yeah. like writing it down, saying it out loud, it gives energy to it. And then there's almost this responsibility or this duty to act at that point, because yeah, we can do all the ruminating and the introspecting and, um, Anne Lamott says we, you cannot think your way to a purposeful life. <laughs> you have to act. And so, but you know, we get to that point, but, but I love that process of, you know, writing it down, saying it out loud and then that, and, and I would also add having a trusted community around you of people that hear you, they believe in you, they're cheering you on, uh, and they know you can do it. And then, you know, that, that may be all that we need to make that little leap or that what feels like a big leap Maybe. Yeah, just to start stepping out. One more thing that, um, that I did that it's sort of a two part thing. Um, and it might sound weird, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, Please do. okay. Years ago, I was talking to a therapist about something like, I don't, I was talking about things in middle school and high school, like kind of that age. And, um, she said, I, like, I'm talking, talking cause I'm a talker. And then she just sort of stopped me and she said, that must've been really hard for that little girl. And I was mm. like, Oh, oh, and it was the first time that I wasn't that little girl still. Like Mm -hmm. I also, instead of having like being kind of entangled in that, like, yes, this was hard for me. It was like, I pictured like a 12 year old little girl, like little version of me. And I'm like, oh, that sweet girl, like that was hard for her. 
wow. And it just so happened that I was in a yoga training that weekend. So I was a lot of time on my mat and doing breath work and stuff. And all I could do is just picture this little girl. And I just started saying to her like, hey, I've got you. You did it. We're, come here. Like I'm holding you. And I just started bringing that piece of me that I think was still w- wounded and hurt from a long time ago and kind of just gathering it back to myself now and to where I am. And so um, it, I found that that was just really powerful. It made me feel a lot more whole. And then after going through my divorce, you know, I just, it, it, you know, was sort of like, okay, I've got it. Yes, that was hard and I'm here now and I'm whole. But then I started thinking, you know what? It doesn't feel like that. So I just really one day sat down, closed my eyes, and just thought over like the last 10, 15, 20 years. Whatever my mind went to where I felt like I had been wounded or blindsided, like you know those visceral images that you can just remember exactly how something felt. It could have been all to everybody else, but you were there, and it was like a knife to your heart or something like that. I just sat there and everything I could think of, I just in my head went and gathered that part of me back up and brought it to me now without the story, just saw her, brought her to me now, brought her to me now. And I, you know, came out of the meditation that ended up like for the next couple of weeks after that, like anytime I would, you know, just like how old wounds creep up on you and all of a sudden you feel it, you feel it in your body, like something like barely crosses your mind or a song comes on the radio or you smell Mm -hmm. something and you feel it. Every time something like that would happen, I would just gather that part of me back up and bring it back into me. Hmm. I think after a couple of weeks, I felt like I had really gathered up all of these little places that I had felt broken in the past. And it made me feel a lot more present and a lot more whole. Like I wasn't leaving any piece of me behind. And that combined with, you know, the grounding work and getting present along with the expectation that this whole person of me now has so much to offer to other people and to this world, you know, it, that, you know, uh, is going to allow me to move forward. Mm, That's beautiful. Oh, I love that so much. That, that that is fantastic. Um, I'm wondering, so both of you all said that, you know, you work uh, a lot with women and I don't know how far back your, your yoga, uh, teaching goes, Allison, but I'm, I'm wondering, uh, have you seen a shift in, um, men's, men's acceptance, um, desire to do, uh, yoga and some of this mindfulness stuff over the years? Um, well, absolutely. So, um, you have, you know, I've been teaching yoga now for 13 years or so. So I've seen quite a shift where it used to be, um, just men that were traditionally comfortable for whatever different reasons, but in a yoga studio with other women practicing, you know, a million reasons, but there was like a whole like mainstream, you know, group of men that this is sort of something new and hippy dippy and uncomfortable. And about four years ago, um, a friend of mine, Matt McClellan asked me if I would start a men's yoga group up here on lookout mountain. And so um, I ended up doing a lot of research on, men's bodies versus women's bodies as far as stretching and that kind of practice. And we ended up starting, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, just a men's only yoga group. And it was funny because we nicknamed it Broga. And um, <laughs> we did Broga and we would do six week series. We'd meet at five thirty in the morning, like on a Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also let me say this, I ended up finding out that Broga is actually like a, a licensed 
company and became friends with the guy that owns it. And now I'm an actual certified broga teacher. So oh, that's awesome. That's great. I didn't know that. Okay. The that's cool. Doing that is because I was like, oh, is what I've been doing, does that match along what this broga is already doing? And it turns out it did. And so a couple of things, and this goes along with any person in any place in the world and anything that you're doing is you just meet people where they are. And so for men, you know, I found that the practice needed to be physically strenuous. They needed mm-hmm. to feel like they were getting a workout. They needed to feel comfortable. You know, a lot of them wanted to do this practice with me because they knew me and they were uncomfortable in a room full of women, like, you know, wearing yoga clothes in a studio, that whole setting. They just wanted to go where they felt okay already in their own skin. And so, um, really we started with those two things, start in a place where you feel like yourself in clothes that you feel comfortable stretching in and in, you know, postures and movement that feels familiar and makes you have that physical release. So that's where we started. And that group of guys, they loved it. I mean, when I stopped teaching that class, you know, it, it was, it was really hard on them. So I think a lot of them incorporated it in their own, in their own practices, um, or their, their own, like, like whatever they're it's like CrossFit or running or biking, they um, have incorporated that at home. And some of them have started joining studios. Um, but I think there, I'm, I'm, I want to address that it's a larger question because it's same with yeah. like Shelly talking about, you know, people wanting to imagine like abundance in their life. Like what's that first step, you know, or men wanting to do yoga, like what's that first step or anything that you want to do, like what's the first step. And, I would say that the first step is the easiest step. It's the, which isn't easy. It's hard, but it's the closest step in. It's the one next thing that you feel like you can do that might not look like it'll ever become anything, but it's one thing that you know you can do. That's it. It's one. Because what happens is we, we limit ourselves with what's possible in our heads because it's just, you know, we're human beings and our experience. It's really natural to do that, but we limit our own possibilities. But I really believe you take a step and the universe steps. You stretch, the universe stretches. So once you take that step, that's not the only thing that's going to happen. There's going to be a response from your world, from the universe. Take another step. There's going to be a bigger response. So we begin by doing things that feel okay. You know, they really do feel okay. And then the possibilities get bigger, like exponentially bigger and more open from there. And it's not on us to see the end result. It's on us to just believe that it's possible or, or even better to believe that we can't even imagine what's possible. Mm. And do. Yeah. yeah. And all we're responsible for is that first yeah. stretch. <laughs> yeah. It's tiny. It really can be the tiniest thing you've ever done in your life. It can be like five. It can be like 10 seconds of breathing where you're just mm-hmm. with your breathing. Every as I'm, yeah. As I'm getting older, I'm finding that I'm, I'm, I need to stretch more. So, um, I'm getting more attracted to the idea. I mean, I was doing yoga when I was like, I did, I did it. Um, it did was, it, for a while. it was a gym credit class at, at Baylor. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'll do that. And, and then I didn't mind being in a class with 20 other women, like, but I was the only guy. <laughs> This is what, 1990? No, don't date me too much. Mid nineties. But let's see. Um, I want to ask a question because I I would like for you to read something for us, Allison. So you posted in uh, the Facebook group that we're in together, uh, Big Self Society, if anybody wants to join. 
And um, this beautiful, this quote by someone that you and I both admire, the poet David White, and had this wonderful practice, this grounding practice um, on your website. So I wanted to ask you to, to, if you could share that quote and then maybe talk for just a minute about what you have on your website, maybe what's coming and where people can find you. Okay. So, um, so right. David White is one of my favorite poets and he has a book called Constellations and in it, he has essays. So good. It is really fantastic because he takes these like words that you are like, I know what ground means. And then he writes about it and you're like, oh, of course, that's actually. Didn't think of that. (laughs) And by the way, if I just may add this too, I just discovered David White myself um, I'm, I've begun reading Crossing the Unknown Sea, Work as a Pilgrimage of Identity. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It seems incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually ha- got to have dinner with him in Austin, Texas one night. And um, I am not known for being like gentle on my books that I love. Like I really am. Not. <laughs> and um, he was so funny because I took him this book, Consolations, to sign. And he was he literally was like, what are you doing with this thing? And I'm like, I'm doing <laughs> every day like I'm teaching yoga from it but it was um it was just a really funny little experience but oh that's great he has just incredible insight and um before I read this one other one of his poems it's my favorite that y'all might want to make a note of is called start close in and it's what okay. we were talking about and he says you know start close in don't take that second step or the third step take the first step the one you don't want to take and it's like that's it that's where the magic mm. happens is in the very first step that you can take. So, but what he's, but where you're starting from is what I wrote about um, in this little blog that I did, which is called ground. And so here's what he says about ground. He says, ground is what lies beneath our feet. It is the place where we already stand, the place or the circumstances to which we belong, whether we wish to or not. It is what holds us and supports us, but also what we do not want to be true. It is what challenges us physically or psychologically, irrespective of our hoped-for needs. To come to ground is to begin the courageous conversation, to step into difficulty, and by taking that first step, beginning the movement through all difficulties, to find the support and foundation that has been beneath our feet all along, a place to step onto, a place on which to stand, and a place from which to step. And so I... I posted this as a blog a while back because ground and his definition of ground is literally what I'm talking about. And what I try to help people do in their lives is Mm -hmm. their own ground. What does it really look like? How can you feel it in your breath, in your mind, in your body compassionately? Like how can you look at it honestly and compassionately and vulnerably? Because once we truly can look at it, then we can begin to step from it. We can begin to take that first step. And so um, in this in this blog, you know, I just ask, like, take a moment. Like, what does that ground look like beneath you? And right now, for really the world, there is an element of instability in that ground, shakiness, um, just because of all, like, because everything is shifting. But it can also happen from moving. It can happen from changing jobs, losing a person that you love, any kind of big life change makes that ground feel shaky. But we know that our nervous system, our emotions, our mind, our breath, our body all work together. So when the circumstances outside of us become shaky, there are practices that we can do to help us feel more solid, even when the world is unstable. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's breath work that you can do simply, even just the one like throwing the ball, coming back, count mm-hmm. back, four counts out, four counts in, that kind of thing. And then in yoga, we have different practices that um, can, you know, that affect different energies in our body. So there are postures that you can do that are really grounding postures where you're low to the ground, where you're standing in strong warrior postures, um, where you're seated, where you just feel the earth beneath you. And so by connecting in a practice, a breathing, a thinking like your mind, like how, what does my ground look like right now? Like, is it unstable and shaky or am I stuck? Like, does it feel like quicksand or mud? Like just kind of noticing that. And then doing breath work and body work to begin to balance that energy to create mm-hmm. strong ground in you so that you can live better in the world feeling grounded. That's great. Thank That's you. good stuff. We will yeah. link to, um, we will link to that, um, blog of yours, uh, in the in show, show notes. notes. Um, speaking of other things you've got going on, um, you've got a gray bear retreat. I think so that's supposed yeah, to happen in April or is that still on? just had to postpone it and we don't have our um our set date but we're looking to um have it in the fall instead um but we're just going to wait for a little bit of the uncertainty of what happens next to begin to settle before asking people to make that commitment so we just yesterday announced that we're gonna um we're gonna let april go and then be ready to come around next i think it might be hard to have a virtual yoga retreat you know, that's on the table though. That kind oh, of- Yeah, I think it can be done. Okay. I think it could. Huh. I feel actually really good about that. And mm-hmm. um, and over the next few weeks too, I'm going to be, um, I have a couple more blogs that I had done before on my website that have a practice in them. But over the next few weeks, I plan to do weekly ones with a practice as well that, um, that people can follow along. And- Where can they find you? Tell us your website. It's Ali.yoga. So it's A-L-L-I dot yoga. That's a great website. Ali.yoga. It is. It's awesome. Uh, I think, I mean, I think that, you know, they, uh, our listeners, they, they want to be where you are in nature right now um, no, amongst we can, the, we birds hear the birds and, and the, the peaches. <laughs> it's awesome. We're, um, just take a minute. That's it. <laughs> So we, uh, Allison, uh, we kind of uh, tend to conclude some of our um, podcasts by asking our guests three questions. And our first question for you is, uh, what book are you reading right now or podcast that you're listening to that's making an impression on you? Um, I would say that there's two. So the book that I, the book of poetry, I love poems, but Frank LaRue Owen is a poet whose work I really love. And he has a book called the school of soft attention. And it's just lovely poetry about the here and now about nature, um, just really about life. And so I just, it's, it's what I've been going to sleep reading. So I love that. Um, and then a podcast that I just listened to, I started listening to it. Um, and I can't, I think her name is Lola and I stumbled upon it and she has a podcast about, I should know more specifically what I'm talking about, but instead of calling it your inner critic, she talks about listening to your inner mean girl. And <laughs> oh, I think I've heard of her. She's really, um, she's really just motivational and, and just, you know, exciting to listen to. But what she talks about limiting beliefs, she talks about, um, how, what you think affects your nervous system 
Mm -hmm. So then what you can handle is as much as your nervous system can handle. And that's something that I've just started incorporating into my practice and my teaching is how to use this mind, breath, body connection to calm your nervous system, to allow it to open, to be um, bigger so that you Mm. can accept more joy or accept more success or freedom, whatever it is, it's not just in our heads. It resides in our body, emotion, and nerves too. So mm-hmm. those are the two. Yeah, those are great. So uh, with guests on, we get to hear so many different morning routines. And so I'm very curious if you could share with our listeners what your morning routine looks like. Okay. So um, I have a dream journal by my bed and cool. I but what I really want to turn it into is like a talk texting. Like I think in the morning <laughs> journaling, it's like a little bit hard for me where I can really just like talk it all out. Cause yep. I have some really, I have some really crazy dreams and I do think that that's like my subconscious or the universe speaking to me. And so um, I've lately just been really more into um, just for the, you know, even like the artist way, it's this great book and about like following this path and discovering the artist way. Um, but one of the very, the exercises in it is when you wake up, just write for three pages. Like it doesn't even matter what you write. Like don't even do anything, roll over, pick up your pen and write. And so I'm just getting you right now. It's my dreams, but I'm just getting more in the habit of just whatever I've been sleeping on, just pouring out of me like that, like in between, you're not quite awake, but you're not quite asleep. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I really, over the last, you know, while now I have been, waking up, just sort of um, coming to seated just for a minute where I'm breathing in and out and I'm just imagining like the sunlit path of abundance and helping people and bringing joy and how that's what this day is going to do. I'm going to do that with this day. So I start my day like that. I get out of bed and I really just do a few stretches, you know, like from, from you know, kind of whatever I need. And then I just start from there. Oh. Love that. Good stuff. Okay, last question. What does big self mean to you? Um, I love this question, and um, I wrote about it when y'all y'all did the shout out for me, mm-hmm. and um, on the on our Facebook page, and um, and really, what I realized is that you know part of what limits us is thinking of ourselves as small, as just like a piece of this you know, machine, like in this machine of life and just doing our part. And, um, I have been talking to a friend about, um, how we're really all spiritual beings having a human experience, not the other way around. And in the meantime, this quote had really been sticking with me over the last couple of years. She remembered who she was and the game changed. Mm -hmm. So I had just been mulling over the idea of remembering who she was, like, who is she? And then it's like connecting to that other conversation. She's a spiritual being. And it's like, what is the game? And it's like, the game is this, is this life. It's all the good and the bad and the uncertain and the relationships and the choices we make and the things that happen to us. It's the whole world that we live in. And so it's like, okay. So she remembered who she was and the game changed. So for me, that means she remembered that she's a spiritual being and the whole world changed. And I think that that is the epitome of big self life because it starts with you. It starts with this, like connecting to who you are, remembering 
really remembering, like that's what it's all about. Remembering your true nature, remembering that we're here to love, remembering to be grounded. And then from there, seeing the world from that place. And it changes the world. It changes your perspective of what you can do in the world, what you can do to help, what you can do to love well, and what you can do to like just further on humanity. And so to me, big self means remembering that you're a spiritual being and letting that remembrance change the world. Wow. We get, we get some profound answers and that definitely ranks high yeah. up in there. That's wonderful. That's got to go in the Allison. hall of fame. <laughs> um, well, I love you friend. You are just such a dear s- spiritual being having a human experience. And I'm so <laughs> glad that our human experience has crossed paths. Yeah. Um, and I'm just beyond excited for the work that you're doing and what you will be doing. And um, it's just a, a tremendous treat to have you on and to catch up because we've both been running in crazy circles ourselves. And so um, I just love you and I appreciate you being here. Yeah, I love you too. And I'm really thankful to be here. I'm thankful for what you guys are doing. I think that um, creating this community of people to talk about things like this and to delve deeper into our lives really just helps us love each other better, you know, Mm. especially in times of uncertainty like this, just to remember that we're not alone. And whatever our practices are, we're all trying to figure out practices together and at the same time. And even in social distancing, we're all connected. That's right. That's right. Could not have said it better. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, join the community on Facebook at the Big Self Society. You can find us at big underscore self on Twitter. And we are also at the Big Self Society on Medium, where we feature and curate content on topics ranging from psychology to creativity and productivity. We'd love to hear from you. What show made an impact on your thinking, your habits, your decision-making, or anything else? And anyone you'd like us to reach out to and have on the show, let us know.